How are we doing today? The answer is victorious. Well, good, awesome, incredible. Why? Because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's on the throne. He is for us, and he is with us. So how are we doing today? We're doing awesome. It's a day of baptism, a day of celebration, as Pastor Xavier has shared. And um, I got a question for you. Does the gospel change things? I want you to stop and think about that in your lives. Does the gospel change things? I would propose to you that the gospel changes everything. It changes everything. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had been ministering the word of God, sharing that gospel message, going around on their second missionary journey. They found themselves in a place called Philippi. These men who had experienced life and faith and contemplated questions of, of faith and future, meaning and purpose. Paul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees at one point in time, a man devoted to defending the ways of his God and pursuing the Lord the way he thought right. A man who encountered the gospel one day and everything was changed. This man is with his friend Silas. They're going around preaching the good news of the gospel. They meet a slave girl who had masters who exploited her talents and abilities. When in reality, those abilities were not truly her own. But she was possessed by demons, and through that, she would have divinations, and she would know some details about future. And so her masters exploited her to make a quick buck. And they would have her tell fortunes and do all these things, while this young lady decided to follow after Paul and Silas as they're preaching the word of God. And on and on she goes, these are men of God, these are men of God, and they're speaking words of truth and all these different things. And it came to a point that Paul said, enough is enough. I know that God is faithful, that he is true, that his gospel is message needs to be proclaimed, and he is right. But I don't want that being proclaimed out of the mouth of a person who's deceived by such spirits. Because the same moment that right now she can be speaking something positive towards the Lord, in another moment, as we know, the enemy is prone to do. He likes to twist the scriptures and take things out of context. So Paul tells that little girl, silence. Demons come out of her. And all of a sudden, when the authority of the gospel, the power of the name of Jesus, and what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross, is professed over that young girl, the gospel changes everything in her life. And it changes her so much so that she finds freedom. She is delivered. She no longer is subject to those spirits and is exploited by those masters. The gospel changed everything in their pocketbooks as well. Because now they can't make money off of this young girl doing these things. The gospel came and changed everything in Philippi that these men conspired together, made accusations, 
and sent these two men of God to the prison to be tortured, to be bound, so that they would not turn that city upside down with the good news of the gospel. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, let me just grab it for us real quick. I know you're excited to see these candidates come forth. But it tells us in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Man, there's a message just right there in that, those last couple of words. The prisoners were listening. That'll be a message for another day. But suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken in its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The gospel changes some things. I say it changes everything. How can two men who were sentenced to prison, whom we find in just a couple of verses prior, were sentenced to go to prison, yet the jailer takes them to the inner prison, sets them in stocks and puts them in a torture device, puts them there to suffer and be in pain. We'll make sure that you guys learn your lesson and don't speak in this name again and don't keep doing what you're doing in this city and uprooting everything that you're uprooting and changing the circumstances in this town. We're going to put you in the stocks and torture you. See, the gospel changes everything, church, when we find that in the midst of pain and sorrow, trials and tribulations, persecutions, that a person who should be bemoaning and complaining and crying out, asking for mercy, is there in that moment crying out praises and glory to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I say the gospel changes everything. And it changed not just the lives of Paul and Silas, who were able to, in the moments of affliction, look to God, enjoy and assurance, peace in their hearts. But it tells us that as all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword not to go search for the cause and the perpetrator. He drew his sword to kill himself. See, it was believed that if you were a soldier in the Roman Empire, a soldier in this time, you had one job and you had to complete it to your utmost. And if you failed to fulfill that obligation, if you could not keep those who are under your charge, if you could not keep those prisoners bound, if you cannot keep watch over them and make sure that their sentence was carried out, then if they escaped, if they left the prison for whatever way and escaped the sentence, that sentence that was deemed for them would be carried out by you. That jailer knew what this meant. What prisoner being bound and tortured would not want to immediately walk out of that jail cell to leave his captors and his torturers. What person who is in the midst of affliction, in the challenge of a moment, an impossibility, hurting, seeking for answers, and yet there is none, 
What person in that moment would not, if given the chance, run as fast as they could out of that circumstance? So that jailer knew all the doors are open, the chains are broken, the people are free. My fate is sealed. I don't want my family to see me being tortured. I don't want my loved ones to see me being abused and sentenced to death. I want to spare them of this, and so I will take care of this myself. He was ready to take his life. Isn't it incredible that under stress, we overlook a few things, don't we? In moments of panic, we don't allow common sense to kick in. He didn't even check the jail sales. He was ready to run himself through. But I praise God that the gospel changes everything. Because it tells us that the jailer, when he woke up and he was ready to do what he was ready to do, at that very moment, Paul, verse 28, shouted out to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. What can possess a man under torture to stay? What can possess those who, at a moment of opportunity to leave, all decide collectively to stay. Not one prisoner. And I'll tell you, there were more than just Paul and Silas in that prison. Not one of them. But Paul says, we are all here. I say the gospel message changes a few things. As those prisoners listen to the praises and the prayers of these two faithful men, it started changing the hunger and the curiosity within their hearts. The questions of life, the meaning, and the reality of a God started changing in their perception. And these two men started seeing that there is something here that could change my heart and change my future. And they said, I have to stay and find out more about it. The jailer called out for lights and he ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The greatest question that's ever been asked. A question that every single one of us, if we're honest, one day will be asking. And if we're finding ourselves here, you've probably already settled this question in your hearts and you found the answer because Paul is very ready to say what it is. Him and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Church, the gospel changes everything. If you go back and you read verse 22, when the mob formed against Paul and the charges were made and they were men uh, told to be stripped and beaten with wooden bronze, that was their sentence and then go put them in jail. But nowhere in that passage in chapter 16 does it tell us that the magistrates told the jailer, put them in stocks in their innermost prison. Here's a man who decided, I'm going to make your stay here miserable. 
I was told to just keep watch of you in the prison. I'm going to put you in the stocks and make sure that you are in pain. I'm going to take some pride and some uh, pleasure in making sure that you are tortured. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they were all believers in God. Church, the gospel message changes everything. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but his blood. Nothing but his love and his grace and his sacrifice. Today, we're celebrating lives who are made new. The gospel changes everything. When Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word baptize, bautizo, has a meaning that is so beautiful and true, and it connects with this message that this jailer encountered that day and all those in his household. That when we come and have faith and we profess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. We go through the waters of baptism. The word bautizo means to dip and die. The imagery is of a cloth that you take. You dip it underneath a substance, a dye. If you've ever done tie-dye shirts and tie-dye colors, you know what we're talking about. You take the shirt and you submerge it and you keep it under that water for long enough so that the dye of that color can penetrate every fiber of that cloth. And that cloth will come out looking brand new and different and changed. That's what the word baptizo means. Today, there's some men and women who are coming into these waters and everything will be made new. Today, they are stepping forth as God commanded, as Jesus left his command, that they would come and become new creations. Because the word tells us in Corinthians, Paul tells us that, behold, the new has come and the old has gone. They are new creatures. He who is able to bring existence out of nothing, who called the world into being with no raw materials, makes us brand new. And when they come into these waters, there's no food coloring here. It's a clear, clear tank. But there's symbology here. As they go down into the grave and they submerge themselves in the blood of Christ and his sacrifice, his blood washes them clean and his blood makes them pure and his righteousness is applied into their lives. Baptism does not save, but it shows that which God has done. So today, I want you to contemplate. I want you to realize that these men, these women, although you may know their names, you may know some of their story, you may have walked with them and encouraged them and partnered with them. Let me tell you today, you're meeting a brand new creature. 
as they came to faith in Jesus Christ and professed their heart, today they're reaffirming that belief, reaffirming that decision, that commitment. Today they are declaring, I am going with Jesus and he is Lord and Savior of my life and everybody that I can, everyone that I know is going to hear the good news that the gospel has changed everything. The gospel has made me new. The gospel has put me on a track and my life will never be the same because of it. So, as the body of Christ, as the family of faith, today you have a job. You need to blow the roof off of this place. You need to make some noise this morning. You need to celebrate like there is no celebration worth celebrating other than this moment right now. Because there is new life coming forth. There is salvation that's being reaffirmed. There is an anchor moment today. There is change and promise, future and assurance. There is hope. There is a promise. And for every one of us who've walked through these waters, whether here or in another faithful day, you need to remember what you decided to do and the, and the proclamation of your faith that you declared. And today you renew it within your own hearts. I was made new. Jesus paid the price for me. Past, present, and future. And all the world will know that everything is made new. Amen? So let me hear you one more time. Give a warm, rowdy applause to Jesus, our Lord, our Savior.